0: And now for the review of the day, Meat and Potatoes, five stars from Ben in Cousy. Five stars, Meat and Potatoes is the name of this review. Pat, I've listened to real estate rock stars consistently for over two years and love how you dig out the meat and potatoes from your guests. When the guests casually say something intriguing, Pat, make sure to dig deeper. And to help us all understand the value of what was just said. This podcast has definitely helped me and my team grow. Thank you, Ben, for your five-star review. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want. Or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first. And then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation. Listen, I got a guest here that was recommended to me because, you know, a a lot of you guys out there are building teams and or want to build teams, and there's things going on that I'm getting questions on. There's comments on the Facebook site about, unfortunately, people having teams kind of implode or having people leave their teams, struggling with getting uh, their teams to function at a high level struggling at uh, getting their teams to basically do what they say that they're going to do after the first month, and and a lot of issues regarding uh, teams, building teams, deconstructing teams, and so forth. So I got a team expert, Mr. Jason Troy, has a company called Jason Troy Executive Coaching, and I asked him to get on today uh, from Dallas, Texas, and kind of uh, give us some answers and help us out here. So without further ado, Jason, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on your show and speaking to your fantastic tribe.
0: Hey, buddy, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they could get to know you better?
1: Sure. So I spent most of my career working in Silicon Valley, so with really high-level uh, high leaders like Steve Jobs, um, Mark Cuban. Reed Hastings is CEO of Netflix. Everyone watches that all the time. Well, I worked with him for a long time and a lot of people to really understand leadership, management, and really build great teams. And so I was a part of a company that scaled to a billion plus dollars that got sold to Oracle. I've worked in a lot of different size organizations over my career. And I went to law school, got my master's in communications. Um, I wrote a book. Called social wealth that sold fifty thousand copies on how to build great business relationships. I did a TEDx a few years ago that's done extremely well in views, and so I'm here today.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, man. That's a great introduction. So let's get right into the nitty gritty here. You know, so basically what we have here, Jason, is we have real estate agents who are salespeople. Right? They're raised as salespeople, they're raised as independent contractors, and then they, they eventually actualize, or what's happening is they eventually actualize into small businesses. Many of them didn't anticipate becoming a small business when they got their real estate license, but they saw that a way to leverage things financially and a way to leverage things with time off is, is to build a team. And a lot of them are struggling. A lot of them, it's kind of like an airplane taking off, right? You hit all that turbulence, you know, in the beginning uh, and and in the end when you're landing. and, And they're in the beginning stages of building teams and they're hitting a lot of turbulence. And I'm wondering if you could just, if we could just delve in right away to, you know, what is something that new business owners, new team builders need to be thinking about, need to be doing from day one?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the things that people just have to remember is building great teams, managing and leading people are learned behaviors. I mean, people are not born with these skill sets. You have to learn them. They are learned behaviors. And so if you don't invest in yourself and figure out not only your own leadership style, but how to do this on a consistent basis over time and put effort in over the years – you won't be able to scale your business because the same business at five people is different at 10 at 15 at 20, it requires different skill sets. It requires different leadership abilities. It requires different business skill sets. And so I think you have to put that in the back of your head as you start to go on this journey. Otherwise you're going to be lost because the things that we're going to talk about today aren't going to work anyways because you won't have those best practices and things in order to get the most out of the people that you're working with and create situations that will get them to want to do anything for you. And so I think the primary thing is you have to build a foundation and the foundation has to be built on a high level of trust.
0: Okay. And I think so let's, most- let's talk about that. Let's talk about Trust. I don't want to just leave it as a, uh, a chapter heading or, um, you know, a cliche because that's a big cliche now. No like, and trust. Everyone talks about, oh, they need to know, like, and trust you. So, you know, that, uh, that applies with your team as well. What, uh, define trust and define uh, exactly what someone listening needs to do to build trust. Let's just say they, are, they have no social skills. I want you to dumb it down so a third grader can understand. How do I build trust on my team?
1: Right. So when you take a look at trust and you break down the components of trust, right? So someone, if someone says, hey, this person trusts me or I have a lot of trust in someone, what does that really mean? And so the core components of trust are caring, competency, reliability, and sincerity, right? And so those are pretty obvious, right? Someone so let's, who, let's slow that down. Caring. Caring, which means... Someone cares about you and you care about them. You show them that you are personally invested in them. They are personally invested in you. You want to support them. They matter to you and vice versa. Right. And I would well, think that,
0: that's, I think a lot of high achievers struggle with that one. Cause they, you know, they just want to, you know, hire people and run things and have results. And they, they skip that whole caring. It's not that they don't give a shit about the people. It, It's that they, you know, if they had, they want to be reserved so that if they had to fire that person, they could immediately, you know what I mean? And that they almost want to not attach themselves to not care for them. So how, what advice do you have?
1: Well, that doesn't work today. I mean, because people today are going to work and getting a lot of their socialization from their job. That used to not be the case, right? There was a stat that it was reading in 1980, the average person had two to three go-to people to share their personal issues with or challenges. I mean, you think of that as sort of best friend-ish. Yes. Well, they did the same study again in 2015, and it's down to zero to one, right? Loneliness in the US is somewhere between 25 to 40%. And loneliness means I feel alone. Not that I am alone, right? Oh, wow. And Dan yeah. Cassioppo, if you read it, uni- professor at the University of Chicago has been doing this research for 30 years, right? So that's extremely hot. And when someone feels lonely, they feel disconnected. When they feel disconnected, they're disengaged. And what disengaged means, I don't care. I don't give a shit about anything other than myself and maybe giving some level of discretionary effort, but it's not working at peak performance. And so today, when people come to work, they are looking for much more than a job nine to five or however you want to equate the hours to. They want, you know, people say they want to feel a sense of purpose, they want a sense of value. Well, at the end of the day, when you cut away on what all of those things are, they want people to care about them and they want to care about whatever it is that they're doing. And you have to create that atmosphere for them and the only way that starts is you have to start caring first because yeah. no one's going to come into your job and say, wow, I'm a hugely caring person and I don't care what you do as a leader, right? I mean, because you're the one who holds all the power. And if you hold all the power, people are going to model what you say and what you do. So if you don't care, they're not going to care. And, that's a, and when you look at trust, as we go through this, the most important component, by far is caring. Because if you look at the rest, reliability, sincerity, and competency, right? In our own personal life, we have people that are completely unreliable, but they care about us a lot, right? They never show up on time to meet us out at a restaurant or come out to our house, but you don't get rid of those people. But if someone's highly reliable and shows up all the time, but doesn't care at all about you in your personal life, you're not keeping them around, I mean, maybe you do for transactional reasons or because they're the person that's moving you, right, from a moving company, but it's not someone close and dear in your heart. Well, it's the same thing mm-hmm. in business, right? I mean, people that care about you, you treat them significantly differently. And so when you look at that paradigm, if that's the key component of it, right, mm-hmm. you want to learn on how can I build more caring Because the more caring I'm going to build with someone, the faster I'm going to build trust. Right now, you can't have people that are completely not accountable for reliability, sincerity, and competency. I'm not saying that. But I'm merely showing you the lever when you look at the research says it's on the caring component of that. And so if you're a leader, it's like, well, just come to work and do your job and leave. And whether I'm nice to you or not, you're making a lot of money. Well, that's not how people see life and that's not how they view it. And if you want to view that lens, your business will only grow so big um, before it craters to the ground because those people will be looking for someone else who actually cares about them. Wow. Wow. Deep
0: stuff. Okay. So, so you started to spit off a bunch of um, words there when we, when we got into the beginning of you know, how to build trust. What else besides caring?
1: Well, the key thing is, is that when we take a next step level up from there, we start to figure out, okay, well, the key part is vulnerability because vulnerability is really the key lever for trust. And most people get it the exact opposite. They believe, oh, I've got to trust someone. And then I start to be vulnerable. I start sharing myself. I start opening up to them. Yeah, right. It's the exact... So At
0: what, 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 what level of vulnerability? So here's the thing, right? Like you know, and I'll speak for myself, right? You know, because I, I had a big team for years. And, and on some level, I didn't want to be vulnerable to them, because I thought they would use it against me, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, if they ever left, or there was ever an issue, they, they could use that against me. And also, to, to agree, it was none of their business, is how I thought about it in my mind. So, so what level of vulnerability should somebody have should they be spilling their guts out about all their family issues and and problems or is it a different level of vulnerability Can I kind of explain that one
1: i think there are boundaries and i think you've got to set things up in how you share about things that are going on i think vulnerability is getting to know people and asking questions such as okay well what is the most important lesson you've learned in the last year who's your personal hero Tell me about your experiences. Tell me things about when you like to be approached uh, in the morning. How do you like to receive information, right? I mean, a lot of these things are vulnerable in getting to know someone. It's not telling someone your entire life story. Now, there may be a point when you need to, right? There could be a point in the company where you need everyone to galvanize around someone. Maybe someone is ill in the company. I mean, vulnerability really is about sharing. And there isn't one particular area, but it's opening up with someone. Or it's saying to someone, look, we need to grow the company. And, you know, I need your input and help to figure out how to do this. And I'm open to suggestions and ideas and things that we could do together. So what do you think, right? I don't have all the answers. Those are pretty vulnerable things for a leader to say and mention. And it's also assuming that I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything But there are a bunch of people in this organization, everyone is smart, everyone can problem solve, everyone can help and throw out ideas and suggestions. So I'd like to enroll you in that process and be a part of this, which is true, right? I mean, everyone can if they step up, but most people just don't because the people who run the business don't give them permission. They don't care. They don't actually listen to them. Um, And they don't incent them in order to do that, not monetarily, but by saying, wow, that's a great idea, or um, I love your idea, but here's why we're doing it this way. Keep giving me suggestions because a lot of these future ones may be really helpful to me, right? I mean, things of that nature create vulnerability, right? And there is a point when you need to start to self-disclosing with people, right? I think a lot of times some leaners don't share, well, how did I start this business? Where did I come from? What exactly happened to make me go on this journey? What was the darkest day I've had um, being a real estate professional, right? All of those things help because it gives other people permission to share and feel like they belong, feel like they're connected. And that's what creates a very tight knit group of people. And those people are the ones that are willing to work late at night, do anything for you. Because a couple of years ago, when I asked all my clients, I ask the people that were reporting into them at least one or two levels down. So why do you stay up to 11 o'clock or one o'clock in the morning working hard, right? Like, what's your main goal in all this? And when you really dig down, the key reason is, is they didn't want to disappoint either their manager or the person running the business. And that was their driving force, not making more money, not being successful, right? And what that means is you have enrolled someone in a contribution point of view, right? And that, when someone says, I don't want to disappoint you, they will do anything. They will drive like hundred miles for no reason, just to huh. solve the problem, right? I mean, yeah. they, no, that's great. You know, right. I don't want to, I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, you wish, I wish I had more people like that. I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to disappoint you. I mean, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, you, you basically have, uh, you know, uh, three levels of of having team members be hyper loyal and love you with you loving them and, and, and effective and, and all things that you want your team members to be. And that's, you know, comfort, communication, and collaboration. And uh, so let's talk about the second one because comfort ties into trust, essentially. Trust, communication, and collaboration or problem solving is another way to say collaboration. So t- talk to me about communicating. Like, can you give me some specific very specific um do's and don'ts when communicating with your
1: real estate team sure so one of the things when you start communicating and building relationships with them is you need to know where your relationships are with all these people so one of the things i and my clients do is ask people they are managing or in these teams especially I mean, you know, if it's, if, you know, they can't ask someone if there's 50 people in the company, but oftentimes they're managing smaller groups of people. And I tell them to do an exercise and that is to go to every person they manage one-on-one and ask them a series of questions. One, rate our relationship on a scale of one to 10, hmm. right? One being poor, 10 being great. Why do you give it that way? And you can have some level of debate. And then the next well, question- and
0: is, this all, is this all in public though? Like so, let if people listen. Want to them, one, right? okay. Okay.
1: That, that one's one-on-one. That one would be one-on-one, right? So,
0: so, 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 so go to your team members one-on-one and go, and but you want them to answer to your face, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how do you base our relationship on a scale of one to ten? One being the worst, ten being the best, and then bite your lip and wait for a number
1: to come out of their mouth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and then ask them why they gave you that, and then you can have a conversation with them about that to gain clarity. And then the third part of it is ask them how to move it closer to a 10. Because one of the biggest problems you have in an organization is people who don't speak up and don't share. Mm. And you don't really know where their relationship is. Right? No. I've had, I'm, I had a hundred people do this exercise. And I what do you do me. when
0: they spit back and they're like, oh, well, put that in context or in what terms, you know, or say they give you a lawyer and they're like, well, I can't answer that. I need to know, you know, what you mean, like uh, as far as a relationship and, and do and you have to just spit back and say, no, 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 no. It's not, you know, yeah. overall, how do you yes. rank our relationship?
1: And I think, yes. And I would say, and, and the reason if someone does that, you already should be saying to yourself, I'm, I'm not in a good place with that person. Because oh. they, don't feel, they don't feel comfortable giving me a number because they're worried there's going to be some negative ramifications if they tell me the truth. Mm. And here's the problem. Most organizations have a bunch of people that are trying to impress other people and look fancy and not be candid. Mm. Right? Damn. Okay. And if you're not candid, you don't really have a great company. Bridgewater Capital, if everyone reads this, Ray Dalio, he started a company, a hedge fund, and it was nothing. It was a small little hedge fund, and he built the company on radical honesty, and that is the core fundamental value and is now the biggest hedge fund in the entire world, and people want to work there from every person who's in a hedge fund. Right? And He started it based on that because he realized that people were not sharing information And that lack of truth-telling was inhibiting the business flow and their business be successful. And so if you're a small business and you don't know where your people are rating you and you don't really know where your relationship are, you're already in deep trouble before you do anything else because no one's going to sit in a meeting with you and come up with an idea that they're not sure is going to work because the fear is they're going to get fired or there's going to be some negative ramifications.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know uber and lyft uh, you know why are they better than cabs not economically the fact that they're cheaper but, but because you know with the cabs there was no rating system there was no accountability to say man you fucking drove yes. too fast or you or you 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 know you got lost or whatever and and uh, you know this is a form of accountability where you could say you know how do you rate our relationship on a scale of 1 to 10 And hopefully they're going to tell you the truth, right? Hopefully they're not going to say nine, even though it's a two. Like, how do you make sure they don't do that? Because if you're their boss and you can fire them, how do you make sure they don't, they just don't buffer it just to not have
1: drama? Well, I think the other thing is the third question is important is how do I move it closer to a 10? Because maybe someone gives you a nine, but they're, there's substantial things that you could do in order to move that relationship forward And they give you that answer. And if you do those things, right, you ask this question on a monthly basis to manage people to know where they're at, and that number's going to vary. And maybe in the beginning, they don't give you the most truthful number, but they'll give you details that will help you. That will really help you move it forward and understand where they're at. And also, as you go over time, if they aren't comfortable in the beginning, they'll get more comfortable because you keep asking it, right? And if you're not defensive to it and you embrace it, it's a great way to get better. It's a great way to set the tone, right? And whenever you do that and you lead with it, it's being vulnerable. So now it's much easier for you also to give constructive feedback to the, uh, the person that's sitting in front of you in terms of their work product. Because now you've given them first the opportunity to share how they're feeling. Now they're much more open and receptive to hearing what you think about them, right? And about how to motivate them, what things they need to do better in their job, like how to invest in themselves, like other steps they need to take. People view it significantly differently because that's what vulnerability is about, right? Vulnerability is about someone has to share first. And someone has to go first. Yeah. You put yourself on the firing line. It's, it's gotta true. be you. It's gotta yeah. be you. Yeah. It's you gotta, gotta be you. go
0: first. Yeah.
1: Because if you don't do that, if you don't do that one-on-one with people, it's very difficult in a group setting to get people to share across the table from each other because everyone's worried about impressing other people and making themselves look right and look mm. good, not yeah. be the best. Right. It's kind of like the Navy SEALs. Like, they set the tone in when they do after every mission. They go in and ask themselves a series of questions in a group. But the reason that's effective is because they have trust. And their whole point is, I want we want to get better in the next mission, no matter right. if we did it perfectly and how we did everything, or we made mistakes. But the bottom line is, we know we can get better the next time. But the only way is if we're candid and if yeah. we have right. If we say what were our results what do you want to do? What can we do better? You know, and once we start asking those questions, well then of course we can get better as a group. But if we don't have the trust, right, the cab's a great example because everyone who's ridden the cab has gotten their trust broken because the person charged too much. They didn't start the meter. They missed turns, right? All the rest of the things we can think of it's it's accountability and trust. And when that's broken, it's very difficult to manage and lead other people because they're not going to buy into what you're doing because you're not actually embodying what you say you are. Mm. I love that dude. I love it. Okay. And and the more, the better, at least once a month guys should, should be sitting
0: down and asking that question. Even if it's repetitive, just keep doing it. It's the way that you're going to have uh, an accountability level with your people in uh, your building of trust and, and, and being an effective boss. Okay. Let's move on to problem solving. So what, what are some tips you could give us on problem solving? Like how, what are the right ways and the wrong ways to problem solve with your team members?
1: Well, I think if you're getting a group of people together and you want to do a brainstorm, right? You want to say, okay, let's look at the numbers for the month or the week or whatever they are. Mm. I think you have to start to say, okay, here's our goal. Right. And here's where we're at now. Like talk about like, what do we do? Well, Right what could we improve upon and how and get everyone to start sharing and opening up and coming with ideas and suggestions. How often should you do this? Uh, well, I mean, I think whatever cadence, I mean, I think you should do it every week at some level. Every week, and, and should you include everybody? I think you've got to figure out the different groups of people that are going to move the needle forward for you, right? If you have a small office of people, I think it's good to include everyone because you could get people from the front of the office who are admins who have ideas on things that you could do better, right? And I think for them to understand the process and get things together, it, it can be extremely helpful. Because you never know where ideas are going to come from. And when you look, when I watch the best teams that I've sat in on a lot of Fortune and Forbes you know, top 10 workplaces, and I watch different team levels, when the best teams, when, a, when the leader asks a question, everyone gives suggestions, right? Now, they may not be right, and that's not the point, but they're voicing an opinion and they're speaking up because yeah. that way the person running the office, the real estate agent, if, if 10 people are in the room, you have 10 people's ideas that then you can either move forward or work with, or you can use it against the ideas you have and pressure test them and see how other people are seeing them. Because again, one person, you it's very difficult for you to know, right? If you have 10 people around you who can, who can pressure test the idea, who can bring up counter arguments, you want to incorporate and get the team and require them to step up, right? Because all of them may come up with better ideas than you have, right? Or they'll look at a processes you're doing saying, hey, we've got this new process in the office and, you know, I've gotten some pushback on it. Let's talk about this and and really understand, you know, what do you all think we could be doing better on it? Now, right, you don't need to change, but you do need to listen to it, right? I I was at Pixar and they did this process called the Brain Trust after every movie. And I saw this Mm. with A Bug's Life. So they brought in everyone who was involved in the movie, including the producers, at different points in the shooting and asked people to look, at the movie and give ideas and suggestions, right? They had some rules on, you know, being collegial and no personal attacks, right? And no long diatribes. But what happened is, is that everyone in the room could give suggestions and ideas and feedback. And that'd be helpful to the producers potentially. Now they didn't need to take any of the feedback or do anything of it, but they did. And it was a huge way where they were able to take a movie and move it consistently to being great movies and the president of the company ed i forgot his last name now was always saying that in the beginning all pixar's movies were shit and this process the brain trust was how they moved it forward because they got constructive feedback from everyone else so they weren't living in a bubble right and i think that's an important part of the process is to get people to do that because in in there's another term called psychological safety when in someone you can google this up but it's about people feeling safe to share, right? And it's mm. about looking at risk more objectively and people taking a look at what's going on, not emotionally getting mad and yelling at people, but yeah. looking at it as objectively. The point is not whether we did something right or wrong. What can we learn with it and how can we get better? And when you can instill that and take out the emotion out of it, everyone consistently moves forward because we're all listening and we're keeping open and we're not closed off and we don't think our way is the best way.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Certainly you could make strides so that uh, there is, nothing is a personal affront so no one will get their feelings hurt. You know what I mean? So talk- basically uh, it's the old adage of focus on the system, not the person, right? Yes. Always a system. It's always a system. No matter what, it's a system problem and it's a system issue meeting that you're going to address. That's, and yeah,
1: that's yeah, it. And the, and the big part of this, too, is think to yourself in your personal life. The people that you care about and when you set this up, you communicate better, you collaborate, you problem solve, and there's a lot more leeway, right? With people that are in your inner circle and super close to you, if they do something that sort of upsets you, half the time you just let it go and it goes yeah. out one ear and out the other and you don't care about it. But people who are just acquaintances who you don't care about, you don't give them that leeway. So when you create this environment, people give you a lot more leeway as a leader and as a manager, as an owner. So you don't have to be right near as much as you do if you get people in a way that are looking at you very neutral or just as an acquaintance. So it's in your best interest to do that because personally and professionally, we're the same people we show up as, right? I mean... It's not like you put a neat little bag and put it by the proverbial door when you walk in it. No, we're the same human beings, right? And that's how we treat people. So if you create an atmosphere that's much more forgiving, it's a lot easier to do that. Because if you wake up one day and you're having a crappy day, the people in your office that know they care about you saying, oh, they're having a crappy day because they're, you know their kid's sick or their dog passed away. We'll give them a leeway because we understand the stress because they know that they'll support you. So in the back of your head, part of this also comes in into how making this is much easier. And that makes it much easier to be much more competitive against much larger organizations who don't have this. Man. Wow. This is good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming
0: out and and doing this. And I hope the rockstar nation is getting a lot uh, from this. Jason, let's talk about your free gift. As you know, everybody comes on the show, brings a free gift. It's a item of utility that they can uh, download, they can hang up on their corkboard, they can use in their daily business. What is your free gift that you brought us today?
1: So it's a game uh, called Cards Against Mundanity, and ten thousand oh, oh. people, car- ten thousand people have gone through it from like Google, really? Amazon, and you know, large companies of employees and what it is is that it builds trust extremely fast and yeah. it does through being vulnerable through a group exercise in which you start sharing and it's a question and answer and obviously everyone can use this that's listening to this no matter if your team is just one person or 10 20 or whatever it is and you can also use it with people that you're selling with I have real estate agents and people even friends of mine that I taught to use it to use it at open houses and other things just wow, to start really? to build. Yeah, because when you start to when you start asking questions with people that like get them to share things like, oh I'd love you know, what are you most excited about in your life right now? Right? They're gonna talk about the things that they care about. Or I'd love to know like what are you most grateful for in your life right now? Right? Mm. I mean all these questions get people to talk about things that really elevate the conversation. And I based this game off of a famous study where they had one-on-one interactions with complete strangers. And uh, the original study had 54 grad students doing it. And they had 36 questions over 45 minutes. And these questions were pretty vulnerable. Um, And at the end of it, 30% of the people rated their relationship with a complete stranger as the closest relationship in their life. Wow. So it's essentially I could take everyone listening to this, go to a coffee shop, you can meet four people, and you'd walk away with the best friend in your life. Yeah. Man, right? I want these cards. Yeah. And so you can um, play them and so you can play them with anyone. Um and you can do this in a group in a very short period of time and uh it works simple. It's just a question and answer. Everyone asks the same question, you go on in a group and you just keep doing it. And you've got the cards yep. right there. Next so, thing you know you gotta
0: memorize, you can Whip them out of your tongue, uh, you know, anytime you get yeah. in a situation where you want to get to know somebody better or you just want to pass some time and uh, connect.
1: Yeah, and all you have to do is tell them. What's interesting, if you tell someone it's a game and you just even say the name of the game, you don't need to show it to them, they'll just start playing it because yeah. I do this when I go out. and I, I tried it originally by not doing it and just asking questions, and it, I got very mixed results. But when I told people there was a game involved, they just kept playing it. And when I go in groups of people and organizations, like, people just start playing. They never question it or, like, ask me more things or really get nervous about doing it. They'll just start pouring in and, I mean, answering questions. And some people start ending up crying and sharing information and doing things. But uh, the amazing thing is how much better people know each other in a very short period of time because the bar is so low, a snake could crawl over it. Yeah, wow.
0: Well, okay, so great. So listen, guys, I'm going to put this on hybendigital.com, backslash Jason Troy. Now, here's the funny thing. His name is not spelled like you would sound phonetically out. It's T-R-E-U. It's like true, but it's E-U. So it's hybendigital.com, us, Jason, T-R-E-U, T-R-E-U. I'm going to put a link to Cards Against Mundanity. And I'm going to put a link uh, to Jason's book. I'm going to put a link to all his social media contacts, everything. If you want to reach out to him and say thank you for coming on the show, uh, I'm sure he would appreciate that. And, Jason, listen, if I'm ever up in uh, Dallas, Texas, where well, I'll definitely look you up and we can get together. And break All right. And Sounds good. I appreciate it. And, guys, if you want this game and you want all the other items of utility that uh, we have in our agent success toolbox. Uh, we have everything that people have brought on the show all together. Uh, you can get that at com backslash toolbox, or just text the word toolbox to four 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 nine nine nine. All that stuff will be in there, including Jason's questions. So thanks so much, Jason. Uh, best of luck thanks. to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guess are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rock Stars Radio, right on Facebook, and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyden. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking.